The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com. Empire. Information, it's king. This was a company I've been watching. I'm based in Chicago, and so I watch a lot of the Chicago startup community. And I've been watching Seth perform for quite some time just because I am an analytics geek. I am a sports geek. So to me, that would be my dream job. That's Nancy Hensley, Chief Product Marketing Officer for Stats Perform. Her wealth of experience at various data-driven businesses will shape how sports fans interact with data from here forward. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Nancy Hensley has a wealth of knowledge having worked at major corporations like IBM and McDonald's. It's a certainly different role, going from marketing fast food to big-time sports, but it's a challenge she not only welcomes, but figures to thrive in. Our guest this week is the Chief Product Marketing Officer for Stats Perform, Nancy Hensley. Hi, Nancy. How are you? Great, glad to be here. Thank you. How are uh, you? I, I'm okay. I, I, at this, at this juncture, it's impossible not to start every conversation <laughs> with "How's life in a pandemic? How are you faring?" Actually, not bad at all. It's, uh, it's, it was an interesting time to make a, a change in job. <laughs> that's for sure. But it did give us a chance to kind of regroup and and uh, and get ready for sports restarting, which is, which is starting, which is great. Yeah, it is a really interesting time to change jobs and get into sports. Um, Absolutely. So can you kind of take us through, I don't speak for the company here, but but can you kind of take us through what you all are thinking with sports shut down and now kind of slowly reopening around the globe? Well, you know, to say that we're excited about that is probably the understatement of the century. Um, We are are getting ready. We're super excited. We took the time in the shutdown to do some organization and some um, reorganization around what we do and focus. We also started a, a... something I call the content factor, but we branded it the analyst, which is data storytelling, because we had all this amazing historical data going back to the 1800s. And, and just because there was no live sports didn't mean people don't want to talk about it or hear about it. And so we, we started to create these really unique data driven stories and put them out there during the pandemic. And they, they definitely got a lot of attention. We'll continue to do that um, because we're in a unique position of having all of this historical data and all of this expertise around sports where we can tell some really great stories. So that's what we took the time to do. All right. But so we're excited for sports to come back. <laughs> so Michael Jordan's the best basketball player ever. You guys have like finally validated that, correct? <laughs> of course. Was there any doubt about that? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, he put out a documentary to try to remind everybody. So I guess, you know, we have to, we got to get it validated though by the scientists. Um, talk about your, um, your position with stats perform. Um, what drew you to go there? and what are you doing with them? So I, so that's a great question. I, uh, I came from IBM, 20 years at IBM. So I, it was a, 
it was a very thoughtful transition. However, this was a company I've been watching. I'm based in Chicago, and so I watch a lot of the Chicago startup community. And I've been watching Seth perform for quite some time just because I am an analytics geek. I am a sports geek. So to me, that would be my dream job. When the opportunity came up and I had a chat with our CEO, which was, I think, scheduled for 15 minutes, we ended up talking an hour and a half. What drew me was a couple of things, you know, not just that it's a cool sports analytics company and that is, you know, for somebody like me, the dream job, but coming from the world of data and AI, what I knew was really key here were two things that that stats perform had, which was all of this data, which is what you need. That's the foundation for really doing a lot with predictions and AI but also the huge investment they made around resources and data scientists and computer vision scientists to actually take advantage of it. And coming from a world where I was a maker of sorts of AI technology, but not really getting close enough to the application of that technology and how it can change the world and how it can change how people do things, that's what really excited me. So when I came in, I um, we originally talked about me coming in, taking on a product role. It came from a, a product and a marketing background. I ended up taking product and marketing. And then we've integrated the design team into my team as well as, as we're um, now reorganizing and, and investing in a, what I call an incubator, which is our, we have our chief innovation officer and we'll be building up a team underneath him so that we can incubate and accelerate product much faster. Like what? Can you be specific? Could you, I may be a little early to answer that, but like what? What, do you, what are you guys working on in your incubator right now? <laughs> uh, a couple different things. We're looking at um, some ways that we can help really change the way a fan experiences sports. And I think a lot of people are talking about what that looks like today and, and where most likely the will happen. And to me, disruption always comes with a new experience. I mean, when you think about what the what the iPhone did to the marketplace or what Airbnb did to the hospitality marketplace, when you can create a new client experience that's really different and really hits home with that particular segment, I think that you actually create significant disruption. And I don't think it's a matter of if, but when that disruption is going to come to the sports tech industry, particularly around the the viewer. There, I, I've been listening to your podcast, actually, while I've been biking. I'm a big cyclist on the weekend, so I load up the podcast and go for a ride. And there was, a, I, I agree with so many of the conversations around, um, I think one gentleman talked about the fluid fan who wants to experience sports in different ways, yeah. in a multitude of ways, right? And I, 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 was, I thought that was so spot on in terms of, that that experience is going to change, not just because of the pandemic, but because this whole new group of fans are coming in that want to experience sports differently than maybe the generation before them. And I think you, we really have to think through what that looks like and how we engage them. Okay? I, I think you might be referencing Chris Giles, who used to work with yeah. the A's and yep. is now owns his own company. And he has essentially determined that the modern young fan intersects with sports much differently than an older fan or even a middle-aged fan like myself where I want my same seats and I sit in the same place and I want everything the same and I want my food and I want the game to be in front of me in the same way that I've always been accustomed to and the younger fan doesn't look at it that way that they connect completely differently and they'll go to A's games but they want the experience to be different every time and I, I maybe that's what you're referring to 
Yeah, that is exactly what I'm referring to. And that really hit home with my thoughts. And one of the things that I'm trying to shift our culture and set perform around being a B2B company, it's, it's, a, it's a key cultural shift to really focus on the client experience, not just the client that we're delivering to from a B2B perspective, but their client. So we can actually think, where is this disruption coming from? Right? It's going to come. I think it's going to hit the linear broadcast the most. And so that's one area that we're focused on. Um, a lot of people are talking about, I think there was another uh, podcast I heard, which also kind of echoed some of the thoughts we had around a second screen. Yeah. What does that second screen experience look like? Well, we know that a lot of the younger fans have a phone in their hand all the time. I have a phone in my hand all the time. Um, how do we leverage that as a second screen? What does that look like? What do fans want? It's going to be very um, customer focused in terms of that particular segment, what they want, what kind of context they want, what kind of content they want, what kind of data, data will be the way that they get engaged, and how does that evolve over time, and how do we marry that to a linear broadcast so that it is an engaging experience, and it really does change the experience of just sitting watching a broadcast. Because I think that's where the biggest opportunity is. So are, are you focused? At, and again, this is from other people we've talked to. The second screen always mm-hmm. seems to go back to fantasy or, or gaming or gambling. Um, are, are you guys focused in that realm as you kind of view what the future of the viewing experience looks like? I don't think it's specifically just in fantasy and gaming. I think there's also opportunity where fans really want to understand more data around the game itself as it's happening. And I've, you see, and I also have a community to engage in as it's happening. You see that already where people are talking on Twitter about a game or people will ask the questions like, why did he make that call? Or what do you think he's going to do next? Whatever it might be. Like, how can we actually feed that engagement through a second screen experience that engages the user watching that experience on TV or in a sports bar? Not yeah. just around betting. But betting is also another opportunity for that. And, and are you working on the implementation of the information, the presentation of it? How are you guys, how does your role kind of fit into what the future of the viewing experience looks like? We're looking at all of that. We're looking at all of that. We're looking at how we can even work with other large partners in the industry to shape that experience. Um, and, you know, both from a media and perhaps even a betting perspective, what that might look like and how it will evolve over time. And that's the whole idea behind the incubator is just to come up with a bunch of ideas, prioritize that out and start to incubate those ideas, test them out, do a bunch of experimentation. And then once we see that it's got some traction to move forward into productization. So let's start with the broadcasters then. Um, When they talk to you about what the future of their broadcasts look like, what the future of the presentation of the games look like, what do they think is missing? What what do they want to see that's different now? I think they definitely are all about creating more data and context around the game. And that's more around for how they can create a more interesting story around the game, right? So how do you incorporate that more into the fan experience? I think the broadcasters want to do that within their own, the way they present the stories, whether it's overlaying data on the screen itself. There was one playing with something very similar that I called it pop-up video, <laughs> but it was basically overlay a pop-up content on top of a classic game. I think it was the NBA that did it this year. Yeah. I think there's a lot of experimenting around that to see what people will respond to. I don't think any of us have the answers because we are trying to redefine that experience. 
Um, but I think it's around creating, get pushing more data at the right time, yeah. in context to the game, to that fan, what all they want and how much they want and how you present that so it doesn't take away from the experience. That's what we've really got to focus on. Um, let's talk about the implementation of it, because um, I had a conversation not that long ago with some people who are working in data uh, content for the PGA Tour, um, and they've got a mountain of it. And mm-hmm. there are so many different possible scenarios that all of a sudden mm-hmm. pop up with something that could enhance the broadcast. But doing it in real time and implementing something that enhances the broadcast doesn't confuse the viewer. That's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you guys kind of navigate the amount of information you have and what is then worthwhile to disseminate? Well, I think the answer is we don't know yet, right? I think it's gonna, we have to do a series of experimentations around what that looks like to see what makes sense. Um, I When I was watching the, the, I call it the pop-up video one, I thought I was watching to see the patterns of when the NBA would pop up content that wasn't disruptive to the game. So they usually did it around stops of play or after some sort of major event that happened inside of the game. And I think that pattern makes a lot of sense. But we've got to do a lot more experimentation and a lot more user research to actually get that answer and, and figure out what the fans want when they want it. How about the teams in the leagues? Um, what are they saying to you about what they'd like to see as part of the presentation of their product? Well, you're definitely seeing a, a lot of change there, I think. You know, and, and being new to this industry, I'm still formulating my point of view around all of it. But I, you know, you see the the recent moves where the teams are are um, making some changes with how they sell and acquire rights and how they work with partners. I think you're seeing an influx of big tech coming into um, sports tech, which, you know, was very predictable. Like you're seeing Microsoft recently signing an agreement with NBA. You're seeing some moves that Apple's making into the VR space and also into the right space. And all of that means that everybody's pushing into the space, trying very hard to redefine that. And I think the teams and leagues probably are the ones that are going to be on the forefront of that. Um, what I found was interesting was you look at all the data during the pandemic and a lot of these teams and leagues get so much of their revenue from the stadium experience. And so the biggest business problem they've got right now is how do they supplement that? If you know that doesn't come back sometime soon, or even if that comes back in some sort of reduced capacity. And I think some way to create a digital experience and really engage the fans that way is going to be their supplement for what what revenue they're missing from a stadium experience. So I think they will be on the edge of that because they really feel like they own that fan experience the most. Are you guys considering blockchain technology too? Is that something that, that Stats Perform is working in? We're, we're not right now. I think that's probably further down the road for how we would actually implement it. I think we're still at the the point where we're trying to work with a lot of our partners and define, you know, what that new fan experience might look like. Um, you want to take a guess at it then? Am I still sitting on a couch and watching <laughs> a large television with a phone in front of me? Am I, do I have goggles on and I'm walking around, I'm courtside? Like what, what how do I watch sports in the future? I think, um, you know, it's, it's funny because we did look at a lot of the VR technology. I, there is, there is probably a little too much, maybe the word is friction and having a headset on. I think there's too many barriers to that, whether it's your face size, your comfort level with it. 
the fact that sports is a very social event and when you put on a headset it becomes less social I think there's a lot of barriers to that being to really make taking off whereas everyone's got a phone so I think that is the right uh, platform to look at some form of second screen experience more augmented reality than virtual reality to start building that experience on I mean everyone's got it in their hands and again, I think you also have to focus on a very specific segment of fans, like the new fans coming in, what is it that they want? They do have phones in their hands. How do they want to consume sports? What are the different ways that they, that they want to get information? Um, how do they watch games? What kind of information do they want during the game? What keeps them engaged? What also helps them engage more from a revenue perspective? How do you monetize that through that experience as well? You do have experience with having worked with McDonald's too. I, I wonder if I could ask you about yeah. um, your experience with that in terms of sure. the idea of, of a brand um, and a very important <laughs> American brand. Um, yeah. As you kind of look at here, you are working with these very major brands, these sports leagues um, specifically in this mm-hmm. country. Can you kind of take me through what the experience was working for a company that kind of has that kind of brand equity as in your career? Yeah, I mean, I've worked for two big brand companies between McDonald's and IBM, but McDonald's was um, obsessive about the brand. I mean, I think we even had brand police back then that you had very specific guidelines for how you use the golden arches and in different ways. And I think, you know, supporting that brand, keeping the principles strong around that brand, everybody understood what those principles were and what our values were around that brand. It was something ingrained into every single person that worked at McDonald's. And I, I think that's what helped protect the brand, even through rough times. You know, I was, um, I joined McDonald's as a consultant in the early days, and those were not great times for the brand. Um, and, you know, they never faltered, right? They, they continued to focus on what the brand stood for. I think that the same thing carried forward from an IBM perspective is that the, you gotta keep investing in that brand, keep it strong, keep it consistent, we're actually going through that performance as well because we are a number of companies that have come together. So on my marketing side, we are going back and doing a lot of work around the brand and consolidating, make it easier for people to truly understand who we are. Yeah, uh, I think that's extremely important. And to get everybody rallying around a very, um, a very specific set of brand principles, um, as well as just our, our key messages, make sure that our top line key message which is better sports predictions and insight um, helps people understand exactly who we are and what we do. Oh, it's really, uh, you listen, you, you, I think of stats performing obviously as having been a sportscaster for a long, long time. I think of them as data and I think of them as stats. When I think mm-hmm. of McDonald's, I don't think of data. I mean, it's not the first thing that, <laughs> not, certainly not the first thing that comes to mind, but you know, they're, they're, no, but you know, what's interesting about McDonald's is that where they've made some great strides from a growth perspective in the last 10 years is actually focused on data. So they created a bunch of digital experiences through an app where they got a lot more data on who their clients were and what they wanted and how they could better serve them and creating a much more personalized approach. That is actually how they've created some growth and reinforced the brand over the last few years. So I think that's extremely important. Coming from IBM, I did the same thing. I was very involved in the, in the change that we were doing from the traditional way we, that our clients consume software to staff and creating that digital experience around that. 
And um, that was an amazing experience <laughs> doing that work. Um, so let's end on the brand of Stats Perform. Um, you know, my experience with it is it's provided data to me, really general statistics, you know, for use for context for what I've done for years. What is Stats Perform mm-hmm. now and into the future? That's a great question. So we still have that that foundation of data. Like I said, going back for some sports to the 1800s, uh, we covered 27,000 live stream events and about half a million matches annually um, and, and dozens or, or thousands of comp- global competitions. And from that, now we create billions of unique data and tracking points. So we are evolving to more of taking that foundation and building an AI business on top of that. So we've built out this, what I call the AI Innovation Center, where we have 300 developers, 50 data scientists. Uh, We're cranking out the patents and and lots of academic papers. But beyond that, what we've really focused on, too, is how do we get that AI portion much more consumable by pushing it into our product and, and really taking it to the next level in terms of what our users can do to consume it that they don't necessarily know it's AI. So for example, we're pushing more and more models into our team performance software so that when somebody's doing analysis for a game, they are getting the superpowers of, of AI and all of the work we're putting into that. Um, and it's, they just they don't, they don't even realize it. So they, they can now look at, for example, if I'm recruiting a players and I'm looking at uh, two players that look very, very similar on paper in terms of their statistics. But if I am building out my soccer team, then I actually want to see more than just their statistics. I want to see how they play on the field because then that helps me know from a playing sales perspective how well they will fit in. And two players that look exactly the same from a statistic standpoint could look very, very different on the field. And so what we've done is we've applied AI superpowers to actually look at 3 million plus playing styles and and boiling that down to, we see patterns of about 10 playing styles. And then that you can look at, at through, across thousands and thousands of players across the league to now evaluate not just the basic statistics that you would expect to see, but the, how they on the field. That's just one example. Um, and we can all, and we break it down into specific roles that we see as well on the field. So you can get more and more granular, see this all visual in the visualization of a heat map that makes it extremely consumable. And that's really what we've evolved to is how do we take this amazing core of unique and trusted data and then leverage that with better predictions and insights, not just for our team performance, but for the media and broadcast, as well as for our betting clients as well. It's all really cool. Let's see where it's all going. It is. Nancy Hensley is the Chief Product Marketing Officer for Stats Perform. Thanks for joining us, Nancy. Thank you. On the next Future Sport Podcast. The growing uh, size of the gaming industry, um, which is twice the size of the movie business. I think gaming is about one point, uh, $152 billion right now, and the movie industry is about $43 billion. That's Chris Erb, the CEO of Triple Clicks, that mixes the worlds Nancy Hensley used to thrive in by pairing gaming and major brands. That'll do it for this show. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused, 
So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.